0: Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. We are starting the series today, really excited about it, and I titled this series Relationships, Fragile, Please Handle with Care. And so today it's really important, if I was to ask any of you, if we, un- we understand this, this piece, because a lot of times we try to articulate what we're going through through all these different circumstances. All of us know this, that if your relationships aren't right, nothing ever feels right. You know that? It's just there's a struggle. that There's nothing that can remove joy or remove peace or remove a sense of just, just gentleness and a sense of security of your own heart more than if a relationship is breaking down. So, we're going to spend the next six weeks really leaning into what God is saying to us. And this is going to be an amazing year for our church. Do you believe it? And as I was praying about how to start the year out, really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to strengthen our relationships to be good and healthy and God centric. And as we move forward together, because healthy, thriving relationships, just so you know, they just don't happen, they're actually made. You don't talk to someone who's been a, in a relationship for many, many years or good friends or, or a couple. Or you, you don't talk to them and say, hey, listen, how did you get your relationship so healthy? They're like, I don't know. We just accidentally fell into it. No, no, no. There has been some intentional things they've walked through. And good relationships are made through communication. They're made through effort. They're made through sacrifice. They're made through patience. They are made through intentionally doing things for the other person, intentionally of of watching what you say and watching what you don't say, which is kind of a big deal. They are made through rejecting negative thoughts about the other person. They're made through staring at what is right in the person and glancing at the small things that might be wrong. But there is one thing that many times we forget about relationships and we kind of overlook it and how we handle relationships. And the first step of taking ownership of relationships of our relationships is to take ownership of your contribution to the relationship, both positive and negative. So raise your hand here if you've ever contributed positive things to a relationship. Raise your hand. That should be all, all of us. Now, raise your hand if you've ever contributed negative things to the relationship. Okay, raise your hand. There's more hands on that one than the first one. I'm just kidding. And this series, I really believe it's gonna help equip us, it's gonna help heal us, It's going to help us learn the value of relationships and to grow to be contributors to relationships and also receivers from healthy relationships that we are going to handle them with care. And for us to understand relationships, they're so important. God created us to be in relationships. But what we all know is this, is the more relationship you are in, you also realize that relationships can be fragile. They can be fragile. And we need to learn how to handle them. And that's the, the title of today's message is that we are to handle relationships with godly wisdom. And we need to handle our relationships with care and with wisdom. In all of our lives, the most important thing to us in all reality is relationship. You may think, no, I don't care. No, you actually do care. I think if we were all honest with ourselves, we would recognize that actually relationships really matter to us. And relationships, and here's the truth, they can make or break your day, can't they? You, you ever got into a fight with your spouse or, or girlfriend or boyfriend or, or child on the way to church? It just kind of ruins your whole experience, doesn't it? You're like, man, I wish, I wish God would speak to you today, you little knucklehead. That's what you're thinking. <clears throat> it can ruin your day. <laughs> it, can, it can ruin your week. Broken relationships, let's just be honest, they could ruin your year. And if if it's really bad, they can have an effect on your life. So over the next six weeks, we're going to seek biblical principles. On how do we prosper in our relationships and allow God to show us how to be wise in cultivating relationships. And wise in surviving difficult relationships. And here's the truth. It doesn't happen by accident. It's intentional. But God wants to walk with us as we grow together. But here's the key of all of our relationships. Everything that we do and the key is this. It's wisdom. And that's the title today is Handling Your Relationships with Godly Wisdom. But if you're anything like me, and I know you are, you don't always handle your relationships with wisdom. Say amen to that. Good confession for you today. And what's really interesting is I as I looked up the opposite of the word wisdom, because you know I titled this handling your relationship with wisdom. What's the opposite of wisdom? And the opposite of wisdom is this word called stupidity. And I thought, oh, that's a little harsh. But the truth is we can handle our relationships with wisdom with biblical principles, or we can handle them with stupidity. Now, how many here are married to someone that handles, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, the latter, stupidity, can be more of the norm in our world, but unfortunately, it can be more of the norm in people that know God, and God wants to change that. And the reason why I say is that some of these us handling relationships without wisdom is the norm because of the amount of broken relationships we have in the Christian faith or even in, in the church or toxic or unhealthy, uncommitted, unfaithful, bad thinking about relationships and the purpose of the bad theology about what God says about relationships, and the fact is it can be the norm. And I don't believe anyone wants to step into a relationship. that I don't think anyone starts off, you know what, I'm so excited for this relationship to break down at some point. No one says, I'm really looking forward to this causing me some pain. That then causes a ripple effect. And we know when relationships break down, it causes a ripple effect across our lives. It affects children. It affects families. It affects the church. It affects our witness as believers of Jesus. So if no one would choose an unhealthy relationship, if everyone starts off with great expectation of what this relationship, how I can serve someone and how they can serve me, why do they break down? And that's the question. This is what we're going to look at for the next six weeks. The reason things don't work is because starting today, people don't use wisdom. I don't use wisdom at times in my relationships. If you want fewer problems in your life, I promise you this, wisdom is the key. Now, I know wisdom doesn't get rid of problems because you still deal with, with people. You still deal with life, but it, but it minimizes your problems. And many times, though, in relationships, we treat people in ways that don't help us in that relationship. In fact, a lot of times we provoke people by how we treat them, how to respond to them, what we say to them, our emotions towards them, we provoke them to do the very thing, the very behavior that we don't want in them in the relationship. And so we can use wisdom, and we all have hearts and desires to have our relationships more fulfilling, more intimate, more full of joy, more satisfying, more stabi- with more stability. And the, and the Bible says the key to that is wisdom. So we're going to begin looking at James chapter 3 and looking at how do we handle our relationships with godly wisdom. James chapter 3, and the whole context of this is about relationships. James is writing to believers on how to have healthy relationships. So it says this, he says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. So this is an action thing. This is let them show it by how they live their lives or how they do things or how they interact with people by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom. So here you have James contrasting two types of wisdom. So this wisdom that is about harboring bitter envy and selfishness and and, and having a heart that's not probably in a good place towards someone, don't boast about it. That wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. So there is such a thing as earthly wisdom. But earthly wisdom does not produce healthy relationships. Well, yeah, Jason. There's there's some, you know, earthly wisdom that's good. Okay. Well, this is what earthly wisdom, the root of earthly wisdom is. It is unspiritual, which means it is full of the flesh. Full of the flesh. Desires. It's all about me. It's all about but I feel this way, but I want this and but I think this. It's all this language about me, my flesh, my desires. And then the kicker of what earthly wisdom is, it's demonic. It's demonic. There were no godly things involved in it. So when you apply earthly wisdom to godly relationships, all you do is you get a relationship full of the flesh and full of the demonic things. Now, the scripture goes on, though, to explain. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of every evil practice. But the wisdom, and here's what we're looking at today, that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. So, there are two types of wisdom there's earthly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. And we're going to use godly wisdom in our relationships this year and prosper in them. It's pure, peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. This scripture teaches us so much about relationships that you're not going to learn anywhere else in the world. First, the Bible teaches that wisdom is a way of relating. It has to do with what you do, not what you think. It's how we interact with people. It's how we intentionally respond to people. A lot of people think that wisdom is intelligence or wisdom is information or wisdom is IQ or wisdom is is some letters after your name. And actually, we know that's not very true because there's a lot of really smart, educated people that do a lot of stupid things every day in this world. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, though, that wisdom shows up. Wisdom shows up in our relationships. So if you want to know if a person's really wise, look at their relationships. It shows up in how you treat each other. It shows up about what you speak about each other. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's about how we live our lives. And so I want to talk to you about six keys straight out of this verse on handling relationships with godly wisdom. How do we do that? And so this is going to be challenging today. So everybody says, I'm okay. Say that. Say, I'm okay. I receive from God's word today. Because you're going to have to open your heart to This is going to be challenging, but I'm telling you, I'm really excited because, because I love you and God loves you. He wants to speak to us some things in our lives that are going to help us actually walk in relationships that all of us really desire to have. And those are relationships that are full of life and life-giving to us. So number one, how do we handle relationships with wisdom according to this verse? Number one, that we need to live a life of purity. To be honest, I think if, if, um, if we did this one thing. A lot of our relationships would be healed. They would be radically healed. Many of us in our relationships, if we, if we lived it by purity instead of making decisions based off of what we feel or what we want or what we think, we're going to base decisions based off of, off of what is right. What is right? What's the Bible say? That's what purity means. It, it means that, that it is, if we live a life of purity, it's, it's, we live a life that's uncorrupted, that's clean, that's unpolluted, that's clear, that's untainted, that's truthful, and that's right. James is saying that the foundation of all good relationships is purity. That's why it comes out of the gate. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, is pure. This is about living your life based on God's truth not the world's truth, not therapist's truth. So many times I, I hear people who, well, I went to the therapist and they said it was okay for me to divorce my spouse. Well, excuse me, how about this divorce your therapist and read the Bible and follow what that says? That's, that's worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom says do the opposite of what scripture says. To live a life of purity means to submit yourself under the Word of God and to choose, I'm going to live by purity. That we get how we live our relationships out by God's truth. And the truth of God is pure, it is perfect, and it is wise. Really, a life that's lived in purity is a life that can be trusted. A couple or a friendship or even a church relationship, small group relationships. If someone lives a life of purity they probably have a lot of people in their life that trust them. Purity produces trust and all relationships are built on that word called trust. If there's no trust, there's no relationships. And all trust is built on truth and godly truth, according to the Bible, is pure. If you don't have truth, you don't have trust. If you don't have trust, the truth is you don't have a relationship. If there's a wife or a husband or friends or whatever it may be that, that lie to each other, if, if, you're, if you're a married couple and, you, and, and one of them lies together or lies to each other all the time, listen, you may be married, but in all reality, you don't have a marriage. Relationships are built on truth because truth is the foundation of trust If you're lying to the people in your life, you don't really have relationships. There is this this facade, there's this this mask you wear, but you are living a double life because you are not living in purity. Purity says what you see is what you get. Living a life of purity in relationships means, you know what, I'm not going to compromise what the Bible teaches. I'm going to hold true to that. I won't live a double life. I won't be this person to you and this person to someone else. I won't be a different, uh, this person at home and a different person at work. A life of purity says I won't lie to you. I won't manipulate you. I'll tell you the truth because trust is built on purity, and purity comes from truth. And here's the truth. If your life isn't based on truth, People in your relationship, there's always this, this, this small amount of trust. They just don't trust you. And if there's no trust, there's no relationship. But here's what purity produces. It produces relationships and a family home and parents and, and that, that, are, that are full of peace. There's a, there's a sense of rest. There's a sense of trust towards the other person. It's comforting. It's full of trustworthiness. There's a security that comes in, in, in children that live in a family that champions purity. There's a security there. They don't see mom and dad say one thing and live another way. There's purity. There's security. Those homes and families are full of life. They're full of laughter. They're full of intimacy. Real purity is the foundation of a life Handled with care and with wisdom. Purity is is the foundation of relationships handled with care and with wisdom. And God is calling all of us this coming year, right now today, to a pure life. He's calling you to a pure life. And so everyone in this room, this is what we do know. There are areas of all of our lives that have some lack of purity. Might be how you think. Might be how you live might be what you say. might be the condition of your heart. And so here's the question for you today. Do you lack areas of your life that lack purity? Are there areas of your life that you lack purity? And here's what we do. We then, we see it as the Lord reveals it to us. We then ask him to help us take a step forward in being what God has in our lives. So if you want to be wise in your relationships, you're going to live a life of purity. Are you guys with me today? This is challenging. This is really leaning into us. But the fact is this, God has one gear. I, I, I hope you know what that is. Actually, maybe gear is the wrong word. He, he lives life in one direction, and that is forward. And so if you're following God, you're always moving forward. Forward. You're always taking steps forward. You're always gaining more ground that's in front of you. You're always going from glory to glory. You, there's always a benefit as you move forward. And so, out of this series and this year, we're going to move forward. We're going to get all that God has for us in our lives. And the second thing that we can, as we handle relationships with care, according to the Bible, is that we need to pursue peace. We need to pursue peace. That's why James says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace loving this is about pursuing peace listen i think many of us if we would if we would start trying to find a way to have peace in our relationships instead of always proving that you were, you are right you would see a huge change in your relationships pursuing peace is about intentionally pursuing what is peaceful it's about not choosing now please hear me today pursuing peace is not choosing to push someone's buttons even though you know what they are pursuing peace means you're not antagonizing them pursuing peace means you you grab your mouth when you're going to say something sarcastic that's really going to be an elbow in someone's ribs Pursuing peace means, and hear me today, means to not constantly be correcting or condemning someone. Pursuing peace means you're going to pray for the, for the other person. Pursuing peace means you give room for the Holy Spirit to convict and to speak to them. That you choose not to insert yourself into the third person of the Trinity and become the Holy Spirit that convicts and corrects them. Everybody say amen. Amen. That's what pursuing peace, intentionally living a life of peace. Wisdom is doing what brings peace in the relationship. It's making those decisions. You know, I'm going I'm to pursue peace. I'm not going to do things that doesn't make things peaceful. Listen, I have this bad habit. I, mean, I don't know if anyone else has a bad habit. I have a bad habit. When my wife tells a story, you know what I do? If there's a detail off, I'll correct. Actually, that was on Tuesday, not Monday. Actually, you were wearing a red jacket, not a beige one. Actually, that was two years ago, not one year ago. How many know that's called stupidity? (laughs) And all the wives say amen. Okay, good. Guess what? That is me when I do that, not using wisdom in that relationship. Who cares? Why do I have to say something? I'm not using wisdom. If you are wise and pursuing peace, you overlook things that aren't a big deal. Just chill out. Who cares? Did you know that you can, now this, this is, we're going to lean in a little bit to this. Did you know that you can measure your maturity by the level of offense that you can overlook? Called a pregnant pause. We'll let it sit there for a bit. If you are always offended, always huffing and puffing about something, always correcting somebody or something, always upset, nitpicking your spouse, your kids, your boss, your friends, your church, your church congregation, your pastor, this is a really good sign you are immature and not using wisdom. Wisdom pursues peace and desires to be in peaceful relationships. Now, Jason, I don't believe that. I'm Not me. I'm prophetic. I just call things out how they are. Yeah, I just do, I just do it right then. I just do it right. When I sit man, I call it out. That's just how it is. Okay, let's let the Bible speak. Proverbs 19 says this. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Do you find yourself being offended all the time by others having a running list of what they did and what they did wrong and how they should have done something different? A list of reasons why it's okay for you to keep a grudge. If that's you, it's just time to do some self-evaluation. It's time to use wisdom. Pursue peace. And also, the truth is this. It's time for you to have some internal peace as well. Handling relationships with wisdom means we live a life of purity, we pursue peace. And another way that you handle your relationships with wisdom, according to scriptures number three, you choose to be considerate of other people. That's why James says, but but the wisdom that comes from heaven is considerate. The definition of considerate is this, careful not to cause hurt or harm to others. That's what it means. This is about being courteous. Actually, this is about having relational manners. Relational manners. And so when you sit down, it's like sitting down at a dinner table. We sit down at a dinner table and everybody sits there. You just start slopping and grabbing and grabbing this and eating this. Oh, I like that on your plate. Grab that. That's that's not having manners. All of a sudden people are like, what is going on here? In order to have a peaceful dinner, it requires people to have manners. Hey, would you mind passing me the chicken? Oh, I don't want to reach over your plate and grab the salt and pepper. Hey, would you mind handing me the rolls? I I don't want to stand up and lean over and dip my elbow into the the gravy. Can you? like It's just having manners. Or you can sit down and slop yourself all over and eat this and, you know, whatever. You're like the Tasmanian devil because you don't have manners. So if you don't have manners, guess what? People at the table don't enjoy themselves. This whole idea of of being considered is having relational manners. Consider that there are other people at your table with you. That it isn't all about you. It's not all about your hunger. It's about sitting down and enjoying relationship with people at the table of your relationships. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. You have relational manners because you actually care about the other person. Because you don't want to be offensive. You don't want to to harm them. You don't want them to be put off and not enjoy their time together. Just like you would at the table, you do the same thing in your relationships. It means you don't nitpick, you don't poke, you don't tell people what's wrong. You you don't sit at a table. If I sat at the table the whole time I stared at you and every time you did something or ate something, do you really eat your steak that way? Well, that's interesting. You're going to wipe your mouth or what's going to go on there? you really going to use that much salt? Shouldn't you be watching your calories? Would you enjoy your meal if that was just you? No. (laughs) And guess what? People won't enjoy your relationship if that's how you handle it. It's the same thing. Wise people are considerate. Also, wise people are considerate about how people feel. They, they, wise people are considerate about, I wonder why they're responding a certain way. They're considerate when, when, where, where other people are coming from. So when someone's rude to a wise person, guess what? They're still considerate. They still look at them a little different. They take a step back. A wise person thinks, I wonder why they're responding that way. And the truth is this, and we all, we all, we all are guilty of this. People, people say stuff when they're mad and they're angry that they don't even mean. They just say, blah. They exaggerate. They use words they, they don't even really mean to use. And wise people don't react to that. They don't, they don't react to the emotional firestorm that they're, all of a sudden a person is having. They respond and they step back and they think, I wonder what's going on. I wonder why they're feeling that. I wonder why they're reacting that way. So if you are wise in a relationship, you, start, you stop focusing on what your kids or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife or your boss says that just ticks you off. You think, I wonder where they're coming from. A lot of times what people is, are saying is uh, how they're reacting is coming from something else. And wise people consider that. It's kind of like that you ever had a 4-year-old just lose their stinking minds and screaming and pitching a fit and yelling and you're like just and then you shove a piece of cheese in their mouth and they're fine. <laughs> because how they were acting that's not the issue. The issue is they need some food. That's where they were they were hungry. That's what was going on. Sometimes I act that way as well, and my wife shoves cheese in my mouth, but it's okay. Sometimes how we act, has, it, it, what we're doing is not, it's not what's going on. It's actually what's going on behind them. So also in choosing to be considerate means to take also, though, it's very important, a self-evaluation of yourself. Just because you feel something, maybe you should ask yourself, am I just hungry? Instead of putting it on you or projecting on someone else, well, I'm mad because of that, and I'm mad because of you, and I'm mad because of this, I'm mad because you turned the light on, mad because you didn't put the seat down, I'm mad. But actually, no, you're just mad because there's something going on. Being considerate says, why am I mad at everything? Why am I frustrated? I'm going to look inside. Lord, help me. Because I want to be considerate to the people and the relationships in my life. So using wisdom in relationship is about choosing to be considerate and not making your feelings the most important emotion in the relationship. That's what being considerate about. So all of us, do you need consideration? I think, yeah, I do. Really challenged this week as I studied this, yeah, I need consideration. Do you? And the answer would be, yes, I do. Everybody say, yes, I do. We all need some consideration. Another way to handle relationships with wisdom is number four, is be willing to submit to other people. Be willing to submit to others. James says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. Submissive. And actually, this word submissive, I, it is used in other areas of the Bible, but this actual original word is the only time it is used in the Bible, period. It's this word that, that's, that is, it means, um, it's different than what you think when you hear the word submissive. It actually means that you're not defensive and you're not stubborn, and it means that you are open to other people's suggestions and opinions. That's wisdom. Handling relationships with wisdom is recognizing, now, here's, this is a big one for some of us, is recognizing that you don't know everything. I know it's big, I know. You might be able to Google everything, but you do not know everything. <laughs> and what this means, and all James is saying, listen, if you want to have relationships that are based in wisdom, you need to be open. That other people might know something that you don't know. Here's another test of relational wisdom is, can you receive a suggestion or a criticism from someone that you think and perceive as less mature than you? If if you can, this, this means that you're walking in wisdom. If you think, well, what do you know? I'm the one that knows all these things. If all of a sudden that's your response, actually, I've been walking with the Lord a lot longer than you. Or actually, you know, I read two books about that. And I really know. If that's your first response, then you're not operating in submission. You're not open to be learning from other people. Wisdom does not. It does Now, here's the other. Wisdom doesn't apply like dumb suggestions. But it does consider all things and then determines if they should imp- uh, apply it. The fact is, is God wants us just to use wisdom in our relationships. That, that, that someone in your life, a friend, a spouse can say, hey, have you ever considered this? Hey, you know, instead of it doing it this way, you know, I noticed you responded this way. I'm just curious, you know, what's going on there. And, and if that you can say, you know what, thank you. I, I will take that and I'm going to process that. Wise people are always learning more wisdom. That's why Proverbs says this out of Proverbs 9. It says, instruct the wise. In other words, give them your opinions or or some type of suggestion, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. So here's some challenges and questions today. Do you find that you are always the expert in all things in your relationships? Are you open to being wrong? Is it hard for you to take someone else's opinion as truth when it is different than yours? If that's you, then you're not handling your relationships with wisdom. But God wants us this year to open our lives and to be healthy. And actually, as you apply these things, yeah, they're difficult. They're not easy. you apply them, you begin actually receiving from relationships what you've been longing for all along anyway. So handling relationships with wisdom means you, number five, you apply mercy and goodness towards others. In other words, it's wise to show grace to people when they blow it. It's wise to show grace to people when they mess up. It's wise to to show grace to people when you see faults and you're like, you know what? I'm going to show grace and mercy. It's wise to show grace to people when they stumble and they sin, when they fail. It's wise to show mercy. Maybe you think, well, that's just not my gift. I just don't show mercy. Well, listen, the wisest person in the universe is God, and he's the most merciful person in the universe that is God. God. I would think his example is better than your example. Unwise people are critical. They're judgmental. Wise people are merciful and good towards other people. When you are critical and judgmental, you are being unwise. When you are merciful and show goodness towards other people, you are being like God. You're imitating who he is from your life to others. It's wise to show grace. It's wise to show mercy. It's wise to be forgiving. It's wise to to be considerate. And it's wise to be pure. It's wise to be truthful. God shows you mercy every single day. It would be wise for you to show that mercy to other people. And if you do that, All of a sudden you will begin to see your relationships blossoming and growing. And all of a sudden, you begin to get the satisfaction of relationships. Your marriages, you'll be more, there'll be more intimacy. There'll be more kindness. You, you People won't be on, on eggshells because they know the other person isn't going to correct them or attack them. It's going to be the sense of mercy. I love you. and I choose to love you. And when someone fails or stumbles, you say, hey, all all right, listen, mistakes happen. Let me help you move forward. Your children will be more confident, more secure. There's going to be a sense of their security in who God is. And that's very, very important for you to understand. If you choose to walk in wisdom, the people in your life will also choose probably to draw closer to God than what they are now because you have, you have represented him well in their lives. So all of us have these challenges. So here's some questions. If you were to rate yourself with one to 10 on your mercy level. Or let me ask you this question. I didn't do this first service. Let me ask you this. If you were to ask people in your life, where you rate from one to 10 on the mercy level, would it be the same in what you see yourself? Now, maybe some of you who would rate low, because mercy, you know, there's some people who are more merciful than others. It's just a personality thing. But those of you who are lower in that area right now, what you're trying to do is create scenarios to show, see, you don't always have to show mercy, but that's just revealing you need more mercy in your life. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Do you jump on every fault or mistake and, and make a comment to someone? Do you often pick at people and talk about them and always point out their errors and mistakes? Do you continually bring up the past against them? Do you track every little failure, every disappointment that your husband or wife, girlfriend, or whoever has done it? Do you file it? in the back of your mind so that you can pull it out with some leverage and put a little trump card when when something starts to go wrong. The Bible says this is not wise. And you, please hear me today, because I love you. I want you to hear this. You will never be in a deep, fulfilling, life-giving, intimate relationship if you operate on the low mercy side. People will keep their distance from you. People will not open their life to you. And the Bible says it is better to show mercy, there's a better way. Wisdom said there's a better way. That's why Luke 6 says this. Jesus said, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So I Proverbs 17, listen to this. Love forgets mistakes. Let's read this together today. Because I believe God wants to use this word to set some people free. Let's read it together. Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. This is a challenge to all of us today. We are to use wisdom and show mercy. Maybe some of you have had relationships that used to be really close, but there just seems to be a distance now. If you were to track back, when did that distance start? Could it be possible it's when you started tracking mistakes and nagging about things in their life, about people, the Lord doesn't want you to do that because it's for your own good to begin to speak life to people. Show mercy, show kindness. It doesn't, it do, it doesn't mean you just, you just neglect everything, but you use wisdom on how you speak into them. Don't take your opportunity to, to meet somebody, the chance to tell them everything you don't like about them. If you're going to go to coffee with a friend, go to coffee with a friend so that you can love them, speak life into them. If all of your life is about you getting an opportunity to speak your mind, then you are not merciful and you are incredibly selfish. God wants you to speak life into other people. Use wisdom, and as you do that, you're going to find that your relationships begin to blossom, and you will gain many friends because of it. The last way of handling relationships with wisdom means, number six, that you're going to be fair and sincere. That's why James says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is impartial and sincere. This simply means that you're going to be real. You're going to be honest. You just, listen, this is who I am. The best word I think that describes this is that you choose to be authentic. Most of our relationships, and and this is what I really believe, most of our relationships are struggling because we feel the pressure to put on the face to be something that we are not. We think, oh gosh, okay. Now I'm around this way. I need to act this way because I want to put on the face of what I'm not. Maybe this could be, maybe as a man, you're trying to look stronger or look in charge because you feel like that's what I'm supposed to look like. Maybe it is acting like you, you know everything, but really you're just trying to cover up. You have a deep insecurity in your life. Maybe it's you not being truthful in your pain, and the reality is that I'm hurting. being truthful in your struggles or your feelings handling our relationships with wisdom says we are we're not going to fake it we're not going to just put on one face at church and one face. we're going to we're going to be real we're not going to try to be something that we're not we're just going to lord this is who i am my friend this is who i am i'm struggling here i need this this is why we we value small groups so much in this church is because you can't walk this road alone because our second purpose of why we exist is that we would one know god secondly we would find freedom freedom comes when you just relax take a deep breath oh i don't have to be something i'm not i'm on a journey with god and i just want him to meet me where i'm at i just want him to transform me and change me and and i recognize i can't do it on my own that's what it's about being real being authentic it means in a relationship with, with your, when you're being real and sincere, it means you're not going to lie to people. You're not going to cheat on people. You're not going to trick people. You're not going to manipulate people. You're not going to, you're not going to take advantage of people. You're not going to de, deliberately mislead people. You're just going to be real. And people are going to trust you because you're operating out of purity. You're operating out of consideration. You're operating out of mercy. That's what wisdom is about. You might think, oh, Jason, great. Yeah, you've exposed all these things in my life and and I don't know what to do about them. My relationships are a mess. Maybe there are areas, maybe some of these you think, man, I'm failing in that area. I haven't used wisdom in my relationships. I've been interacting this so long with people, I don't even know who I really am. All of this has been a way for me to survive and to to work through my own brokenness. And I'm acting this way because of something that happened to me as a kid, and all these kind of stuff you're dealing with. I, I can't make these changes. I can't apply what the Bible says. What do I do, Jason? Well, I want to encourage you today. This is the beauty of our God. This is the kindness and the mercy of our God. He doesn't expose things and use His Word as a mirror to reflect and us be able to point out, you know what, this area I need to change. He doesn't say, well, then go and do it. Then come back to me when it's time. No, that's not God. He uses His Word to evaluate us, to to challenge us. And then in in the beginning of this book of James... Some of us are thinking today, we think, Jason, I I lack these things. I lack wisdom in these areas. What do I do? Well, listen to what the Bible says. James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks any of those things that we just looked at, this is how you you take a step forward. You ask God. You ask Him. You mean, no, but Jason, but I can't ask God until I try this, until I do something. No, no, no. You ask God. Who gives generously to all without, listen, without finding fault. Doesn't say, I'll give it to you if you give me, I'll give, it. Ah, hang on, what, what do you have? What, what are you going to do? He'll give it to you without finding fault. And it will be given to you. This is what God wants to do in our lives. In our brokenness, in, in these areas that we're not using wisdom. Okay, we lack wisdom. What do we do? We ask God, Lord, I recognize I lack wisdom in this area, purity, mercy, consideration, whatever it may be today. God, I admit I lack wisdom. Will you help me? And God will give generously to all without finding fault. And he'll give it to you. All of us are on a journey of becoming what God wants us to become. But all of us are on our journey of becoming that, not on our own efforts, not on your own strength, not on your own will, not on your... your, because, you know, you had, a, you had a good childhood now you're able to do it. Or you had a bad childhood because you're not. No, none of that matters. All of us are, are able to do anything that God lays out for us because he empowers us. He convicts us. He shows us. He then says, I'm, we ask him. He then comes to help us. And then he carries us as we become all that he wants us to become. I, my heart and my desire and God's heart and his desire for all of you today is that all of us would take a step forward in our relationship. That we would walk in a mantle of wisdom that brings peace, that brings, that brings a sense of security to our relationships. That we can grow and prosper in our marriages, in our with our parent-to-child relationship, to our to our friends in the church relationship, in our small groups with one another, that we could take a step and say, Lord, I lack wisdom. I need you. And he says, I've been waiting for you to ask. He's been waiting for us to ask. Our one responsibility and how do we live healthy relationships and thrive and handle our relationships with care. Our one responsibility, according to this verse, is ask God to help you. And He is faithful because He loves you and He wants you to prosper. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.